He wrote it, and we're getting funding for it to film in Arkansas. Nice. We're trying. I like that. We're getting funding. Oh, yeah. Really? Where? You found it? In the it? process of. Justin's robbing a bank. Oh, gotcha. It's a heist. It's a reality show about a heist, and then we use the money to make an indie film. Gotcha. There we go. That's just how television funding works and film funding works. You actually have to rob a bank. Typically, rob an investor. <laughs> AKA the same a thing, bank, right? yeah. We would like to take your money. The likelihood that you get it back is 15%. One to none. 15% chance. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to Can We Save the Cat, a weekly entertainment and writer's room podcast where we pitch a few ideas, develop one and decide whether we want to save or scratch it. I'm your co-host, Danny Hanks, writer and director. I am Brian Hayes, writer, actor and producer. I'm just Eugene, producer and writer. And today we actually have a special guest on the pod, Bianca Serafini, a development and production executive at an independently owned production company in New York City. Welcome, Bianca. Hi, happy to be here. Bianca is a great friend of mine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a fellow ginger. ginger. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. You're not alone anymore, Justin. Yeah. And I'm not alone, alone either. And, and Danny's not alone either. Yeah. Oh my God. Now everybody's ganging up on me. Hey, Brian, looks like you're alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, Bianca and I met because she optioned a TV show that I co-wrote, and we developed that, worked on it together. It was a lot of fun. She's amazing and fantastic, and uh, welcome, welcome. This yeah. is your first time doing a podcast, it right? Really, it really is. But, you know, I've listened to you guys before, and I love it. I think it's a lot of fun, so I'm excited to uh, to do this. Yeah, I'm really excited. Awesome. So, Bianca, I'm going to help you out. Something Danny didn't do. Uh, why don't mm-hmm. you tell the people where they can find you on the socials? <laughs> <sighs> they can't. They can't. I-, I wonder why Danny didn't do that. Son of a bitch. <laughs> you know what? I have a LinkedIn. Does that count? <laughs> I mean, like, if yeah. you want to plug your LinkedIn, sure. I mean, it technically counts. It does count. Is, is that so boring? I just want to say that there is egg all over my face right now because I tried to shit talk Danny. And Brian, was like, not at the, <laughs> Brian was not at the prep meeting, as you can tell. Yeah, you came in like a few minutes late after I told Justin that it's the first time we're having somebody who is less involved in social media than I am. Yeah, I can't stand it. So everybody go add Bianca on LinkedIn. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> or not. Like I check it once a month. So Awesome. Same. Bye, me on the street. I have red hair. I'm big black. <laughs> I live Midtown East. You can find me. Be creepy. Find my photo online. If you are in New York City, you have our permission and Bianca's to run up to any redheaded woman with glasses and be like, I know you. That's right. It might not work out for you. Yeah. But you know what? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Please wear a mask and be six feet. But yes. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to jump in to some pitches? What does your poster say in the back? Brighton. I think it's, is it for England? Yes. I went to college in, which is in the UK. Yeah. 
so you should know that there are basically three sports teams that I follow and actually give oh, a shit about. No. Are you going to tell me you're into Brighton and Albion? Brighton and Hove Albion FC. No oh my way. God. I love them. That's amazing. <laughs> when I was in college, so Sussex is actually in an area of Brighton called, I don't know if it's technically Brighton, it's called Falmer, but it's, I lived in Brighton essentially. And Sussex campus is genuinely in front of the Albion stage. The bread the and Amex. Yeah, the that's Amex. That's awesome. Page. Yeah, so a lot of my friends used to go see games. Yeah, that's pretty frequently. Really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. It was very cool. It was very wow. cool. So. And it's like, and Brighton's right on the coast too, right? Yes, Brighton is a city on the coast. It's called London by the Sea. Yep. By some people, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a really really fun. It's a really really fun town. It's really cool. Awesome. Really cute. Lot I of am bars. stupidly jealous of you now. You should definitely go. Brian, add her on LinkedIn. I'll yeah, add I you on LinkedIn that. and you can, yeah. I can give you the cool tips. You can give me the tips. There we go. That's what LinkedIn is for. Exactly. Vacation advice. Well, speaking of vacation advice, let's get into some pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Best transition team ever. Listen, Danny does it literally all the time. I feel like it's a part of our character, though. It makes sense <laughs> in my brain. I was like, in your brain? Yeah. I know. I try to make it make sense in other people's brains, but it doesn't. All right. Who wants to go first this week? Great. I guess it's going to be me. Okay. So I have a TV show pitch today, and it's like an anime. So Brian's already excited about people piloting mechs. So it's like the concept is there are hundreds of people in each body. Like the show is an anime leading up to a Dragon Ball Z style battles where the battles are people trying to like pilot the mech in the right way, except for each battle is just like asking someone out, confronting your boss, making a panini. And it's like these really, really mundane things. But on the inside, it's all of this like screaming and melodrama. And uh, yeah. So wait, that's just so I'm understanding this. There are like people piloting other people or the mechs are like basically us and the people are piloting us into doing these tasks so we're basically the mechs we're okay. like a meat suit and the thing is like secretly there are hundreds of people gotcha inside of us um and the twist this was from a friend of mine so like fun thing might be to be a dry indie on the outside and then on the inside it's like this really dramatic anime and you could have this whole thing where slowly you reveal that they're like piloting this mech through the plot of the graduate or something just ridiculous and you're like what is going on here and that's an easter egg for everybody that puts it together interesting could be symbolic for anxiety you know mm, and yeah. all of the little people in your head that's awesome so yeah okay. all right it's from a friend i have to i have to say i have to oh, give credit where it's due gotcha i hate you justin give credit where credit's due all i right. mean it keep bringing those fan pitches i like it all right, Justin, let's see what you have. Uh, I am pitching this podcast. Um, uh-huh. I'm on guard. <laughs> exactly, right? I want to do a TV show, and I want to do it unique and different, but I want to do it where each episode of this similar podcast, like we take three people to the host, whatever, they pitch the show, and it's interactive. Basically, you can go down each pitch as an audience. So Black Mirror did this on Netflix mm-hmm. a couple of years ago where like you could do like 
think there's like six different questions throughout the show. You, there's a couple of different endings. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, Bandersnatch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So doing that with like this podcast each episode, and it could be as simple as like four episodes a season, mm-hmm. like something small. But I think it'd be really cool because each episode's like three and one, and you can kind of choose kind of like where we go with the movie in a way. Interesting. Huh. It's unique concept, different. So I thought it might be cool. And uh, I think it kind of shows off what we do here, which is kind of like bring these amazing ideas and turn them into actual things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised on the after Bandersnatch, more people didn't jump on to that interactive wagon because I thought that they did it yeah. really well. And I was, it sounded gimmicky, but it, yeah. it was pulled off so well. I was really impressed. Yeah. I loved it. I also wondered if Dark Mirror was just at a point where, like, there was just so much Dark Mirror. Mirror. I'm sorry, Black Mirror. If people were almost, like, a little kind of, like, zoned out on the actual show by then, so... Probably, yeah. Because I don't feel like the last season... I think it's also the cost. I mean, it probably takes so much money to film six different versions of an hour-long Yeah, that's on my mind. I thought a TV show made it more easier to do, and you do, like, three episodes. Mm -hmm. Like, half hour? Yeah, whether it be half hour, but, like, three episodes a season... And you're basically like filming it like it's a 12 uh, episode show. Okay. And I know Netflix attempted to kind of capitalize on Bandersnatch and what they did. They did a few movies and they did a few kids shows. But the other big one like Bandersnatch was Bear Grylls, Choose Your Own Adventure, where you basically (laughs) choose. That's actually a good one, though. Yeah. And you actually choose like. He comes across a snake. Does he try and stab the snake or does he walk away from the snake? And if you choose stab and he gets, you know, bit by it, like, what does he do? Does he suck out the venom or does he try to make it? And you can like. Does he drink the piss? Yeah. I'm pretty sure you, they, that was one of them. That's amazing. And I would have gone the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious to see if there are more things out there like that. Maybe not on Netflix. Um, but no, that's pretty interesting. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my pitch is about as nerdy as I can possibly get on this podcast. So the air date that this episode is going to be coming out on is May 11th, which is three days before the May 14th release of the remaster of my favorite video game series of all time, Mass Effect. They're putting all three of the games together and releasing them as a legendary edition. So my pitch is something we've never done before, just like choose your own adventure, just like anime. It is a film set in the Mass Effect universe, but it doesn't even have to connect to Mass Effect in any way. Think of like Cloverfield and how they just kind of add like a three minute scene that ties it into Cloverfield, like 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is a great movie. So my pitch is, in the near future, scientists on the moon discover a piece of ancient tech that can possibly be a gateway to another world and intergalactic travel. But as the nations grapple with the decision to study this further, it becomes a spy thriller, cat and mouse kind of like, who's got the code, who's got the tech, and trying to make that work. All the while, you have a different fight being fought on the political front whether or not to even make the information of this like life altering tech available to the public. So like, does the public deserve to know that this kind of technology exists? It's like, if we discovered aliens, you would see two fights, like one fighting over the alien and then two fighting over, do we tell people whether or not to about aliens? 
I mean, basically, that's the UFO conspiracy for the past 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that yeah. is uh, basically my pitch. It would tie... I would tie it in the Mass Effect universe, but at the very least, it is inspired by that, a political thriller and spy thriller kind of coinciding together. Hmm. All right, That's Bianca. Right. Is it my turn? It is your turn. Yeah. Okay. So my pitch is a computer science major named James. Uh, he's in a sophomore at MIT. He gets an offer for about $2 million from this really elusive Texan venture capital guy to drop out of school and develop a software for him that essentially acts as a dating app that requires some kind of genetic testing so that you find a partner that will give you exactly the kind of offspring that you want. Oh. So halfway through, James realizes how evil the software he's creating is, but at that point, it's way too late, and he's propelled us into this really dark society that roots out anything different or unconventional and pushes what isn't really trendy more and more into the fringes of society and more and more into what is not deemed acceptable, so to speak. So it's kind of like Black Mirror meets Silicon Valley, has a lot of aspects of Lynch, Mulholland Drive, all that kind of stuff. Interesting. Nice. I knew Brian wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My God. I was just about to say that this is probably the most like four unique pitches we've ever had like at one time. Yeah, they're all very different. They're all very different. I, huh. crazy. Have you seen the new Netflix show, The One? Oh, wait a second. Yeah. No, no I haven't. So there's a new Netflix show about a dating app that uses DNA. No! Netflix stole my idea, I'm telling you. So it's not the same idea, but it had some, like, as soon as you put that out, I was like, oh my god, there's kind of a show that just came out, like, that has That's that so concept. Funny. I have not I heard of this. That. Oh, yeah. It's slightly different. Yeah. So the premise for that is a DNA test can find your perfect partner, the one person you're genetically uh, predisposed to fall passionately in love with. So it's it's a, it's different. Yeah. It's a little bit, no, like, it has aspects to it, yeah. I mean, I was more thinking, yeah. like... They were, you were talking about a kid. They, they, I think they're just talking about the match to your love life. Yeah, like, there was just, like, an article in The Atlantic a couple months ago about eugenics that kind of sparked this interesting debate about people's choice in, in children. And, and I thought that it was with all these softwares and technology coming out about people picking, you know, what their babies look like from their eye color to how well yeah. they're going to tan and everything is an algorithm at this point. I just thought it was really interesting if there was a specific tool that was made just for this. And I'm sure it's probably in the works, right? That sounds like something evil that someone is currently working on. And it'd be interesting if there was a bit of a, a black comedy slash thriller behind this it's gonna be like amazon dating yeah <laughs> like <truly>. amazon baby <laughs> whatever you want delivered right to your door yeah all right should we should we vote in the same order i guess yeah let's vote in the same order okay yeah i'm going to go with bianca's i have an interesting spin on it that i want to see that i want to explore so i'm gonna go with bianca's uh i'm gonna go with bianca's just because like i mean I'm always up for something dark because I think there's just so many avenues to go with on that. And I, as much as I love my own pitch, I don't know how much we can actually do on it. Uh, I still think it's cool, though. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, Justin, I really like yours. I think it would almost be fun to do like a live episode and kind of during it pose questions to 
audience members and have them vote and choose like, you know, t- we could do like a live stream sure. on Twitch and then do that. So I think that would be really fun. Um, I do love that. Yeah, we should just do a live episode. Yeah. Take Justin's pitch, make it a live yeah. podcast episode. You're welcome. Boom, done. Done. Give you content again. Boom. Um, hmm. I really like all of these pitches. I'm going to go Bianca's, but yeah, like I love all four of these. I really, uh, really enjoyed this. All right, Bianca. You guys are so nice. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Justin's, but I know I'm outnumbered, but I thought Justin's was great. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Danny. See, we always, we always try to corner the guest and be like, all right, so who's your favorite? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Darn. Justin got I can't vote. vote for myself. Well, I mean, you can. Justin's proven that many times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Bianca, when you know, you know. When you know, you know. That's yeah, true. I feel you. All right. So let's jump into this. I have an exciting spin on it that I think might be really useful because I was thinking about it like, what if the main character is actually a woman who's wanting to have a child? Mm-hmm. Like, what if instead of her being younger, or I mean, she could still be young, but that's part of the heat. That's part of the conflict of the series is that, like, she's making what she wants, essentially. Like, she wants to have this kind of app because she wants to have a perfect child. And maybe she's tried dating a long time and she's tried looking for perfect surrogates, but she wants to find a partner, all this stuff. And then there's this opportunity to, like, make this. And then she realizes how horrible it is when, like, she ends up falling in love with this potentially like a person who's disabled who would never be even allowed on the app or wouldn't get any traction mm-hmm. on the app because of the disability. So you could kind of play with with that as like your personal conflict on top of the external conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. You pitched this as you said that this is a TV show. Mm-hmm. Take your pitch and explain to me like, is a lot of this pilot? Is a lot of this season one arc? How do you how do you see it playing out? I'm guessing ha- um, hour long drama, drama D type thing. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of pitch this as maybe more as a mini. Okay. Okay. Because I think that the height of the drama would really stem from James or whomever really coming to terms with what they've made, and even if it is this other person, this woman who is looking to have a baby kind of the recognition, the uh, point of enlightenment, right, would kind of be the apex, the climax of the show. So as soon as they realize what they've done, and I would imagine disagree and and kind of try to redeem themselves, but realize that it's too late. That's kind of the the crux of the series, because I, I do think that in society in general, we are a little too late in terms of just technology has really overpowered us. And obviously, I mean, this is coming from the person who doesn't have social media. So uh, I have a very specific take on this, but you know, it's largely true. And, and people trying to design their babies and trying to make everything very uh, monochromatic and atypical, I d- definitely just uh, doesn't, doesn't leave room for, for much else. And the further we go down that road, the, the more sameness we, we get, we completely, we just become ubiquitous. And I think that's the moral of the series. And I don't think that past eight episodes, we could really go that much farther, but I don't know. Yeah, we'd have to figure out some kind of big spin into a second season. So it would definitely be like a limited series type thing in its current form. 
Yeah, I like the idea of Danny's like she's pregnant and this is like why she was intrigued by this app, right? That's Or why, she wants to get pregnant. Or she wants to get pregnant. That's why she's intrigued by the idea of But is this. she a software engineer or no? Yeah, I think she's probably a software engineer. Yeah. So she's been asked to do this. She might be a top level software engineer and that's partially why she hasn't been dating a lot is because she's got a really freaking good career. She is wanted by Google, Apple, Amazon, like they all want to hire her and she Dangle. decides to go with this little startup because it's such a great opportunity. Yeah. Another concept. So in more of like a series arc direction, we could maybe do that. Some of the conflict, I know that there has to be something around disability or color in there, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. those are typically things that would be selected against right. with designer babies. Yeah. So maybe it's like she grew up with a brother who is severely autistic and is nonverbal, for example. And then she maybe instead of falling in love with somebody who uh, has a disability, she ends up finding somebody through the app. They're going to have a perfect baby and ends up getting pregnant with a child who is going to be born with a disability or like the child is born and ends up being disabled in some way that they weren't able to detect on a genetic test. But she loves her baby and realizes that but she's making a software that directly works against it, is what you're saying. Right. So, right. Yeah, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think that there is a lot of information, just any kind of study that's out there, even on dating apps in general, that it's really detrimental towards BIPOC communities and yeah. any kind of disabled community. Like they just aren't people that are often selected or swiped for or whatever. So it's not like this is some idea that we're pulling out of a hat necessarily. There is a lot of research done on the subject and and it's consistently showed this way. So I can't see how this app would be different, you know? Yeah. You could also, if you wanted it to be a more personal journey, have her get like a Huntington's diagnosis late in Mm -hmm. life or ALS or something that is really going to be a personal self-selector. I think that maybe if she's going to have a redemption arc, I almost want it to be some kind of external thing so that she doesn't seem so selfish. Like creating this app and then becoming disabled and then being really selfish just means that you're more selfish. (laughs) So my thought was if it's a mini series or, you know, eight episode, whatever, I almost like the idea, like the first episode, we do a Mad Men type thing where, Mm -hmm. you know, you think that she's one way, she's going to do this app. She's having this internal struggle. We don't really know why. We don't really see why. And then she decides to do the app and she goes home and I like the idea of her being in a relationship already with somebody who is disabled. May I was thinking like with ALS or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. taking care of this person and she looks at them and it's like, we're going to have a baby. It's going to be just fine. And so that's like her drive to do this. She's looking at it from personal gain reasons, right? Like she wants to do this so her and her spouse can have a child. Right. Danny, always make it gay. She could be a lesbian and in a relationship, and this is their yeah. way. Like, they can make a baby right. genetically together. So right. I also think that there's a really interesting dynamic in that if her girlfriend has ALS, it's both I love this person and I probably wouldn't have gotten in a relationship with this person if I'd known because this is so painful, oh, yeah. which is an awful thing to say. And so I think she would struggle with that internally as well, and that would bring some of the heat to, like, the conflict of the season of like she 
both wants to prevent people from having to live with this pain, but in doing so, she's really, really selecting against people who deserve to find love. Exactly. Yeah. And that would be the crux, I think, of of the series. Yeah. Yeah. And so that brings me back to like, what is that moment of the redemption for them? Like, what do they do or say? Because Bianca, the way you were pitching it, it made it sound like they make the app and it comes Mm -hmm. out. Or, you know, they make they definitely this... have to make the app and have it come out. I think that's got to be in there. Yeah. So then how do we bring it back? How do we bring it home? What's our return for the character? Well, I, I think that similarly to Black Mirror, because I likened it to Black Mirror, there's almost no bringing it home, so to okay. speak. Like, it's a moral, I don't know about moral, but... It's, lesson learned kind of thing, even it's though, a lesson like, learned, yeah. Yeah, like, so they learn and we learn as the audience that like it's probably not the best and the right thing to do but there's no coming back from it like just they like some things like bag. yeah even yeah. if they deleted it show the light on it like it's still someone else to like make something like it exactly which is kind of uh, i mean it this is the kind of dialogue that revolves around any kind of tech anything, yeah yeah really it's just there's no it's pandora's box right it's opened and it's out there and there's no shoving it back in once so, you release information information's out there yeah so it would follow the same train of thought, just in terms of families and... See, this is why I love this learning. idea. I love a movie where there's not, like, always a happy ending, but, like, you know, lessons learned in the fact that, like, everyone suffered. Mm-hmm. But just like real life, like, I mean, you just have to deal with it and move on. Like, that is is it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think in that case, we'd be going with the tragedy series, and the end of it is, like kind of like i think it's the creator of 4chan who created 4chan and then had to step back and be like this is terrible please stop (laughs) using 4chan yeah um and that's kind of her is like she's created this app through it she's gotten pregnant and had this child but now her girlfriend has passed away from this horrible disease she has this child who's like perfect but she recognizes how much pain it's bringing to the world and she's trying to speak out against it but you can't put the cat back in the bag Mm -hmm. it almost feels like a singular Black Mirror episode. A very good one. Yeah, in a way, yeah. So I'm trying to think about how we can stretch it, right? Even to six episodes. Backstory, flashbacks maybe. You would really get a, an idea of where she's coming from. and I think and you why. would definitely have to have a filler episode maybe on the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, definitely like a filler, like a... One episode that's definitely a bunch of flashbacks about like how this relationship came to be, because what we're going to see most of the time in the present is how awful it is and not how good it was. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you have to have one episode like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I also really like the idea of her being a woman because I feel like tech and television shows about tech is it's often not depicted as a woman as being the programmer, as being the creator. And women aren't often kind of in this moral conundrum of did they do something evil or not when it comes to tech it's always usually just a tech bro and a vest so yeah it's kind of cool that it's not only something she's creating but it's something that actually affects her life so i think we could beat this out pretty quickly yeah so i have a few things that might contribute to extending its shelf life as brian was saying we know our first episode our pilot's going to be about her making the decision to take this new gig Some questions are like, who is the guy who is funding this? Because, you know, another big turn could be she learns that it is Amazon. You know, she learns that it is Vladimir Putin. If you want to go always bringing back the Russians, like 
that could be an episode in and of itself that helps her along the development. And then as far as B plot, C plot, I mean, you could have, of course, the man that she's going to get pregnant by and she's finding through the site. You could even have it not be that she's looking through the dating app to get pregnant. She's looking through a donor listing and is thinking more on a personal level, like she would love this app to exist. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of there there. For sure. The sperm donor is an interesting idea because there's a lot of information about what kind of sperm is most uh, intriguing towards women that are seeking in vitro. And mm. it's usually college grads with numerous degrees. They're more expensive, right? Curly hair is more right. expensive. Something like that. Blue eyes is more expensive, so on and so forth. So in a certain way, this already exists. It's just putting it into AI that right. makes it so automatic that is a little scarier. It's one step further. And I think what would be interesting is if you have this parallel of her developing the app while trying to look for a sperm donor and basically justifying it to herself by saying, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. I'm making a better accessible site for people cool. to find right. potential sperm donors or like potential people who want to date. Um, okay, so I like that. That's bringing a good complication as like a B plot or C plot. But again, who is the big bad? Who's the bull? I feel like that's mm. going to be something that will help propel Is he someone it. we'll actually ever see or someone we always hear about? That's kind of why I mentioned David Lynch and Mulholland Drive is that I, I mm. liked him to remain somewhat elusive. I agree. Um, I like almost never want to see him, maybe hear him, but never see him. Yes. He's more of a metaphor than anything else. And he could probably be a metaphor for corporate America. It would be great if it, Amazon was behind this the entire time. Um, yeah. That would be really interesting, but he's almost a face. I almost figure. feel like it'd be great like, to have a couple of different times like he's described, but like differently by every, pers- every person. Yes. That would be really interesting. I have two questions. So one... Does she know from the get-go what exactly this dating app is, that it's matching people based on genetics? And then two, why does the bull want to make this app? I think the former is that it would be great if she was a really ambitious software engineer, you know, mm-hmm. maybe an MIT gal or girl who went to Stanford, something like that, right? It's just a smart STEM woman, and she has this opportunity, and she's taking it almost due to unbridled ambition. And she's not yeah. really thinking necessarily about the consequences yet because she wants to advance in her in her career and she wants to, to work in this industry and she's talented. And I think that would be really, really cool because that's not too often depicted in tech again. And the bull could have a variety of different reasons. I mean, if the bull is a metaphor for Amazon, then I mean, the, the reason is just making eugenics a commodity. But I think one of the things you could think about is like, so you know how, like, you're not supposed to, well, I mean, you guys might know this, but you're not supposed to put your baby's picture on, like, uh, social media because mm-hmm. they're starting to facially analyze it so you can, like, start selling ads to the people and, like, start manipulating them early. Yeah, I think that's one footprint. route you could go, like, yeah, he's creating, he wants, before they've been born, he wants to create their digital footprint. That'd be cool. Oh, shit. So, I mean, it's kind of like, it's it's uh, it's villainy, it's, uh, it's money greedy, but, like, it makes sense. Especially right. our current environment. So, I mean, to me, that's what I think would be a great thing for him. Yeah, that'd be really neat. No, I think that's great. Like, before they're born, wanting to create their digital footprint, that is definitely evil on a whole new level. But not – it's it's completely believable. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it happens. I mean, people people do that now. People put their babies up on Facebook and Instagram and all that jazz. So. Oh, yeah. 
So my thought is if we're going more metaphorical with the villain or the company, a couple of things. Does she know who she's getting into bed with from the get-go? How does that affect her decision whether or not she does? She kind of knows, I think. I mean, she has to have a hunch. Like, nobody's that naive. Well, I think she knows, but if you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, yeah, if you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, you can sell eugenics to somebody. Right, yeah. Like, she has been sold hook, line, and sinker on why this would be good for society and has her own personal reasons as to why she thinks it would be good. And so I think the big thing is when the company finally goes public and she's the designer behind it. I think you also have to try to sell the audience on it, too, at first. Like, Oh, yeah. You want to make it sound like there's only showing the positives. And that way, like, when the dark stuff comes, it's like, oh, shit, we're all kind of learning with her. So who sells her on this? Do we see that moment? I think we should. Or I think, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like tech is just one of those industries where they sell you. They don't sell you on a company. They sell you on a lifestyle. And so when you start working as an engineer or you have ambitions to be a developer of some kind in the field, I feel like you're just chasing this elusive dream. Okay. So I I can see her interviewing and finding this interesting and saying, hey, why not? The pay is great. That the boss is interesting. You know, this is going to be great for my career. I just think that at the end of the day, it's, it's not that uncommon to not think that hard about it because you're thinking of the quote unquote, bigger picture that they're selling you. Right. So do they want her or is she just like, is she sought after or is she just sought after? And she's the only one who said yes. Yes. Probably that. And she's also a face that they can get behind for something a little, not even a little, but at the time, a little sketchy and in the long run, a lot sketchy. She's like Elizabeth Holmes, but with actual talent. Yeah, you can get away with more with her as the backbone of this. It's harder, I think, to sell people on eugenics if it's just some guy in a cowboy hat. So she's like Kristen Bell. She's cute. She's kind of yeah. quirky, but she's super smart and can hold her own in the room whenever she's talking about things. And so they're wanting to put her as kind of like, this is the face for this app. This yeah. is your lead designer on this. So yeah. how bad can it be? Exactly. They probably hire her and just have her as the lead designer. And then as she gets more and more into it, they want to make her more the face of the mm-hmm. company. Okay. And at first she's like, oh, yeah, there's no problem with this. And then, of course, what she's going to do is meet somebody who turned the same gig down. And this person is going to, like, give her a warning. And then, of course, the next day they go public and everybody's like, modern eugenicist, <laughs> you know, Jill so-and-so. Yeah. Um, I also think that the bad version, quote unquote, bad version in the pilot would be we see her at her day job. We see her going to a sperm donor and the nurse makes like an offhanded comment like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was an app for this stuff? Like, Mm -hmm. it would be so much easier if you could just find your partner, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. The bull approaches her. They have a phone interview. She ends up going home to care for her partner who has ALS she's thinking about it at the end of the day she's like I'm in and quits her job and that's like our pilot Mm -hmm. and then the build would be like she's actually creating the app in episode two and figuring all the details and safety stuff that comes with having people's DNA like there's a lot of ethical questions I think that are thrown up thrown at us in episode two where it's like you're literally asking these people to put their DNA 
on a test and they're doing test runs with people and um, trying to have a sample user base. Probably three and four is when the app is growing. It's going into the beta stages. Everybody seems to love it. She gets hit with this message from this other top tier engineer who's like, I really need to talk to you because they're asking her to be more and more the face of the company. And she's like, Elizabeth Holmes, like, yeah, sure. Like, this is going really well. This is great. People are finding love. They're having beautiful marriages, blah, blah, blah. And that's when the person's like, you need to get out. This is literally eugenics. This is terrible. You're a freaking Nazi. And she's like, oh, shit. The stuff airs. They come in. Modern eugenicist. That's our midpoint of the season. So Um, I agree with you. I think the second episode is where a lot of this ethical stuff comes up. And I think this is still where like nobody would work on something of this scale alone. So she would have to be with a team of other people. Right. Are they in the same situation she's in? Like, what is their dilemma? Do we see much of that? And why is (laughs) she our focal point? So you could almost have... If you listen to The Dropout or watch anything about Theranos, you could almost have a Theranos-esque thing where she's the only one that actually knows the whole story mm-hmm. and everybody else is just working on different pieces of the whole. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Exactly. So she really knows the full picture, but she is choosing to block the unethical portions from her mind. She, she sees both sides of the coin, essentially. And she yeah. convinces herself of the a moral one because that's the one that would currently benefit her the most. It's kind of the idea that you close one eye if, it, if it's more advantageous to you. Okay. So I think that she's doing that for a long time until, you know, shit hits the fan, so to speak, and, and she finds herself being unable to explain her decisions and starts feeling bad. But at that point, the cat's out of the bag is too late. So does she start feeling bad because other people find out and start questioning, or is it an actual moral change of heart? Well, I think that's the best part, you know, questioning whether or not she actually feels bad. And that's kind of up to the viewer, the audience. Does she actually feel bad or is she just on the brink of being canceled? And which one upsets her more? It's almost the type of conflict where she's convinced herself for so long that, yes, there are downsides to this. But in the long term, it's actually like a an OK goal, like you want to help people find love and you want to help people have healthy children. But then once everybody comes strong at her when she's public about it, she realizes that, oh, my God, she has so many ingrained beliefs about what healthy is and what good children are and what all of this is that are just so toxic and so horrible. And so but she's never had to look at them before. Right. She's never had to actually examine her beliefs around who is a value to society because she's so in the machine of just you're only worth something if you're making money, if you're Mm -hmm. making a product, if you're valuable. See, that's what I figured the last episode would be is like basically her looking in the mirror, like recognizing all these things that are happening and coming to terms with like she learned a lesson. There's nothing you can do now, but she's learned a lesson because she can look in the mirror. Yeah. So many things that I thought were right are definitely wrong. For sure. And and I think it's it's important also to look at her from somewhat of a fair lens because obviously the end of the series she ends up having remorse even if you can't do anything about it but i think it's it's important at the beginning of the series to show that she worked really hard Mm. to be a woman in stem to be an engineer to prove herself and she just took it too far similarly to elizabeth holmes you know at the end of the day like she was a bright lady at stanford so i think it's important also to understand that she was coming from a place of almost fear of i'm never going to be 
good enough. I need to really prove myself because this area is so dominated by not me. So there might also be some of that involved, some needing to prove themselves, which which I think is is common in Silicon Valley and common in tech. So I think what we want to show like in the first half of the series versus the second half of the series is the point of view of her talking about it. And her point of view is like she has this partner who has this condition and she's like, I don't want people to have to suffer. Like, I don't want my girlfriend to be going through this. I hope nobody ever has to go through this again. I hope never nobody ever has to watch this again. But what she doesn't realize is that what she's basically saying is these people don't deserve to mm-hmm. live. Yeah. yeah. Right. So she thinks that she's actually doing something really generous. And it's coming from a place of personal hurt of like, I fell madly in love with this person who then came down with this horrible illness and it ruined my life. And it would have been so much easier if this illness just didn't exist in the world. But that's literally eugenics. <laughs> yeah. I think it's definitely an eight to 10 episode limited series. Um, mm-hmm. I can't okay. see it multiple seasons with yeah. this arc. Yeah, it feels um, like eight to me. Yeah. So if it's eight, then I would throw in that full flashback love story. Episode six at the end yeah. of it, the partner passes away and she's dealing with the aftermath in seven, as well as this information that all these people are like mm-hmm. the app's been out. You can deal with the the couple who it didn't go quite as planned, et cetera. And then, so basically you have it right before the penultimate episode and then it's seven yeah. and eight is dealing with, she's dealing with this personal strife as well as the professional strife. And then eight is obviously her, like our fallout episode, like what mm-hmm. came of her, what, you know, yeah. Or what what she can do is that at the end, when her after her partner dies and she starts really feeling terrible amounts of remorse and guilt over this, that's when the app starts working. And that's really dark. And then it cuts to now it's successful and you've done it. They've you've screwed up. Yeah, because that's, how, that's the I truth. like that. I like that's the truth. That's what's happening. I like at the end of episode four, basically it coming out and she's she's stuck in this episode five is like the controversy and she has people from both sides being like this is great this is amazing as a parent of a such and so child i would definitely do this to ensure that my my child didn't have a history of this disease or whatever um and then you have people who are really really bashing her for it episode six yes you have present and past you have this kind of like dual timeline of her in the present where it's so horrible with this partner who is passing away and then the past of like all of these great memories that she never would have had had she not been with this person mm-hmm. end of episode six she dies episode seven is when like yeah the app picks up steam and gets really popular and episode eight is she's like watching the fallout of all of these people in these disability advocate groups and people of color basically suffer and now she has a child and she doesn't know what to do. Or, or even simpler than that, she sees the aftermath and all of this and realizing that her app works, she'll never, no one will ever get to have the partner she got to have. And that's when she really yeah. like realizes how much she screwed up because that's gone forever. And there's no even living memory of that because she's eradicated it. Hmm. Yep. I dig it. Oof. I like it. <laughs> it was dark. It was sad. It's all right. Dark and <laughs> sad. Sorry, guys. And uh, we have the title, Dark and Sad. It's a whole season of Black Mirror. Are we ready, Danny? Yeah, I think I'm ready to go and write a logline. 
All right, Danny's going to go off and write the log line. We'll be back, and when she comes back, she will pitch it to us, and we will decide if we save the cat or scratch it. All right, Danny, we'll see you in a bit. Hey, everyone. Just a quick reminder, as always, that these podcasts are for entertainment purposes only. These ideas are fresh, new, and sometimes submitted by you. Anything said is not meant to infringe on the copyright of any existing work of art, and everything is thought of during this show without any previous influence. If it sounds like something you've already seen or heard, what can I say? That's Hollywood, all out of fresh ideas. Thanks, and enjoy. All right, and we're back. Danny's going to pitch us a logline. We're going to go around the room, and we'll see if we save it or scratch it. All right, Danny, take it away. The Neonate is a dystopian drama miniseries about a young woman in tech with unbridled ambition who gets a million-dollar offer to work for a Silicon Valley startup which matches people based on genetic testing to ensure healthy offspring. Awesome. Um, I'll get us started. I do save it. It got very dark very quickly, but I was really into it. And I also like... Danny, you kind of mentioned it in passing, but I think this could be like Black Mirror's first attempt at a season of a TV show or like a mini series, you know, Um, we're dealing with a lot of different elements that are really intriguing and really grasping to me as a viewer. So I definitely save it. Yeah, I very much save it. You all know me. This is dark and I love it. I do think you could play a lot with some really, really twisted comedy, but it would almost be like, it it wouldn't be enough to be comedy. It would just be a little twinge of that kind of gut-wrenching, like, oof, I laughed, but I didn't want to because you're going to have a lot of jokes about eugenics. But no, I say that. I think this is really great and I love where we took it. Thanks, Bianca, for coming in with this idea. Yeah. Yeah, I save it as well, but you know what I do is I actually would love to like pitch it both ways, like a miniseries and a feature film. Cause I do think you could condense it a little bit and still make a great feature of it. But yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, when it comes to dark shows, like I'm pretty on board usually. So dark mirror and black mirror. I'm really into that. So. <laughs> All right, Bianca. And finally, do you save your own project? No, it was crap. I'm kidding. <laughs> I save it. I save it. Um, I save it. I can't get enough of tech. Any kind of lament on tech, uh, first and foremost. And secondly, I think that it's genuinely a conversation that people are going to be having in the next couple of years. It's going to be ramped up, uh, especially now with uh, how how dating is just done predominantly through apps. It's just the next step. The natural next step is going to be um, designer babies. And I think that it's definitely a conversation worth worth having that people are already starting to have. And it's interesting. So anything that has any kind of sociological, social commentary and I'm super into, and of course, dark, dark, dark. I love. All right. Sweet. Four serial killers. Let's go. Let's go. Four serial killers. We're a happy bunch. Happy bunch. I sadly think this is something that, like, because we have all eight of our episodes, like, we have our complete story Bible, <laughs> hammer out scripts in, like, 40. I'll take the happiest one. What's the happy? I'll take the relationship one. I'll take episode six. <laughs> yeah, like back. episode six, where she dies at the end, the happiest <laughs> one. Oh, yeah, that's really, <laughs> that's really telling about the rest of the series. Yeah. What platform do you think this would best fit on? HBO Max. Yeah, my mind goes to Hulu because they did uh, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I see that. I, I think 
it's dystopian is really tough because I feel like platforms, they want one dystopian series and then they want to call it a day. And exactly. I don't blame them. I, I feel that that makes a lot of sense. That's my experience <laughs> in pitching is that if you pitch dystopian stuff to someone who has way too much of it, they're going to be like, no, 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 no. We're depressing our viewership way too much. And yeah, it's totally fair. That's why I go Amazon Prime because their dystopian yeah. series, Man in the High Castle, just wrapped its final season. Now they're looking for their new one. Like they can only have one at a time. We have to bring it to Need them. the new one. Amazon there Prime. There you go. Yeah, I don't think you go to Netflix unless it became part of the Black Mirror series. Yeah, exactly. Or, does it- Justin, to your point, pitch it as a Black Mirror feature film. Because I do think yeah. you could condense some of it into a feature. It could be long. You could Snyder cut the shit out of that and have it be like four hours long. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Guys... We should just do it as like an Instagram TV. No. <laughs> Quibi. It's oh on Quibi, God. guys. Oh, God. Does Quibi actually still exist? No. Or someone bought it. I no. Someone bought it, but I don't know if it was still up. Really? Wow. Talk about buying a lemon. Well, they bought like all the shows with it. So, I mean, I guess it could work out. Mm, we'll see. I believe that it would work if YouTube bought it. If YouTube bought it, I'd be like, okay. Really? Bought Quibi. Oh, Quibi. I thought you meant this series. I was like, really? <laughs> oh. Yeah, YouTube for sure. They don't have a dark enough stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. They're really big fans the, of eugenics. The darkest thing YouTube has right now is the... Is literally QAnon. QAnon, yeah. <laughs> literally all of the QAnon Surely. stuff. Um, but speaking of all of this, what is everybody watching? Because <laughs> I just started watching the QAnon documentary. That's what I was going to say. You stole my one at QAnon. Like, I oh, but I only watched the first episode. That, I love that. I, if you guys haven't seen it, that's the, it's just amazing. It's a history about how it happened. It's, Wait, it's what, are, what, what is this? It's equally terrifying. On HBO Max, we have a documentary called Q Into the Storm. It's really well done. It just uh, tracks the, the history of what happened from Trump being elected, I think, into uh, the storming of the Capitol. And, and how it was just built up over and over and on Reddit and 8chan. 8chan is where they were talking about. And, and they interview the, the founder of the site who, honestly, he's 27. The guy who made 4chan that then ended up becoming 8chan is 27 today, like presently. So it's kind of amazing how, Insane. you know, going back to young folks working as programmers and working in tech, it's amazing what what people do with no moral compass i mean yeah it's amazing yeah yeah and i think that largely i know it sounds weird to say but it might just be that they they just think it sounds cool and they don't know what they're getting themselves into i I don't know yeah they don't have all the information maybe maybe i'm giving them too much benefit of the doubt but that's that's how i feel and 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 that's how you get the cat out of the bag so definitely watch that series i agree brian what are you watching Yeah, so I am continuing my watch through of all the Oscar Best Picture nominees. So I watched uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Did not know much at all about The Trial of the Chicago 8 or 7. I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would. I thought like, I mean, I don't know why I didn't think I would. I freaking love Aaron Sorkin. But, Mm -hmm. um, and this was like, I think this is maybe his first uh Directorial debut of Aaron Sorkin, but I mean like West Wing Studio uh, 60 on the Sunset Strip, like love Aaron Sorkin, uh, social network, Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I really enjoyed Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, It was super insightful. Not going to lie, I was reading some wiki stuff about it afterwards and they did take some liberties in some of the best moments of the film, but like 
it's a film. But yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. So Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. Uh, we need to get a clip of Brian saying that. It's a film. It's a film. Right. Like the amount of Shut arguments I've had with Brian. Up. Brian always wants everything to be so realistic. Okay, listen. I can acknowledge that they do this on true stories, right? They're going to take liberties because like, it's better than So when than I pitch a... you a fictional show and, I'm, and you're like, that wouldn't really happen. And I'm like, it's a fucking mm, movie, you Brian. Pitch a, you pitch dumb things. <laughs> Leave me alone. Oh, yeah. They're dumb. They're you're so dumb. dumb. <laughs> All right, most hated host. What have you been watching? Well, I've been watching just the same thing as always. I'm somehow like looped into this weird hole of like, I watched another TV show about a spy. <laughs> what? You, how many are left? Apparently, there's more. Uh, but this is a, this was a rewatch. It's kind of like a fun one, uh, and I don't know why it just popped up. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna rewatch Chuck. Oh, I love that show. I watched season one, and I was like, you know what? There's really like no show like this where it's like overly big action but comedy. Yeah. Shout out to Josh Schwartz. We love you. Bring back the OC. Bring uh, back you, the bring OC. Back Amen. Hashtag bring back the OC. <laughs> Chuck is, yeah, Chuck's an all-timer for me. Um, Our dog is named Chuck Barktowski after the main character, Chuck Bartowski. That's very good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Such it was nerd. also one of those funny shows where, like, it... I thought your pitch was going to be the nerdiest thing <laughs> you said on this episode. Screw you. They, uh, they famously uh, saved that show at one point by using Subway. Subway. It, yeah i'll never forget that yeah yeah chuck was like on the cancellation block every year so their crossover promotion or whatever was subway so like they would go eat subway sandwiches back at the buy more i think was the name of their best buy fake yes. place yeah the buy more so fans decided like we're just gonna go buy a shit ton of subway to show you guys that this advertisement is working so you keep Chuck on the air. And it did. Like the the NBC executives were like, they're buying Subway. Um, and, and so it seriously worked. It was so crazy. That's amazing. It's funny how some of these like shows, I think, was it last year, Lucifer got saved by fans online. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Community. Right? Community famously got saved. Why couldn't they do this for Freaks and Geeks? Like, can we talk about right, or how, Firefly? Like, it's Firefly, but more Freaks and Geeks. Sorry. Fair. Freaks, <laughs> Freaks and Geeks was definitely ahead of its time, for sure. I One of my favorite shows. I can't believe they canceled yeah. that. that was, that's just cruel and unusual. I don't think if they'd have canceled Freaks and Geeks, we would have ever got undeclared. So, I'm torn. Yeah. Should I say another what are you watching, or did I... It's whatever I you want to do. Obviously, child. Yeah, I I watched Obvious Child. I feel like I've referenced that movie as a dark rom-com many times on the show and realized I have read the script, but I actually haven't freaking watched it. So I watched it. Jenny Slate, very funny. Great movie. Uh, very dark. Nice. Up my alley. Great movie. Very indie. Um, I will say the stand-up in that movie could have used a little <laughs> bit of help. That's, I feel like that stand-up in most But it's movie. aged. But it yeah, it, it also has aged. So yeah. the stand-up in most movies... Doesn't yeah. age well. No, absolutely not. Is what I loved it because I mean, like when I watched, I was still doing stand up in New York. So like for me, it was like hilarious watching all like the little things that happened. I was like, oh yeah, nice, <laughs> so funny. All right, everybody. Well, Bianca, we want to thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Really enjoyed this episode. It was super depressing. 
you go write about it in, in go write about it on my MySpace. Um, yeah, but no, oh, Zanga. I'm gonna write about it in my WordPress. Um, no, it was it was great having you. Uh, love episodes like this where it just kind of takes turns that we weren't really expecting. Like we were trying to stay kind of in the uh, parallel highway, um, but we swerved over and we got onto this one and uh, like where it took us. So. Really appreciate you hopping on. People cannot find you on social media, but you know Sorry. if there's anything, anything you want to say or anything you want to plug, feel free to do so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Sorry for depressing everyone. That means I won't be invited <laughs> back. That's okay. Okay. Not offended. And no, I mean, no, no message other than keep watching TV uh, and movies so that we have jobs, please. And if you see me Absolutely. on the street, then yes. come say hi. I'm a friendly person. Remember, if you're in New York City... And you, you see, see a ginger, you... she's got glasses, hang out with her. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Cool, cool, cool. Well, you're always welcome back because we're Brighton friends now, you know? <laughs> yeah. so oh, right, yeah. Fly seagulls fly, right. so Besties. that's all. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. I've got an in. Cool. There you go. There you go. Well, as always, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, feel free to follow the pod. I think we had another friend fan uh, pitch suggestion. So keep sending those in. Uh, we love hearing from you guys and love hearing the ideas that you have. As always, you can find the podcast at Can We Save Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Bredacted. You can find me at official Danny Hanks on Instagram and at Danny underscore Hanks on Twitter, where I am much more active these days. Hit me up. She's active like her finger guns. I'm just Eugene. You can find me on all platforms at just Eugene. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we will see you guys next time. Give us five stars. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye.